I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. It is Thursday, the 27th of August. Welcome to the COB. I'm Kylie Merritt, joined by David Scott. How are you today, Scotty? I'm great, and uh, welcome back, friend. It's uh, been a long time. <laughs> long time between drinks, and <laughs> you won't be seeing me here for quite some time again, I'm sure. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel when you have to have a chat with me. No, no, it's fantastic to have a chat after all this time. <laughs> um, okay, I want to firstly ask you about, like, there's so much going on today with reporting season, um, but firstly, let's just sort of rewind back to the start of the day. Massive night in the US. Um, Huge movements on US markets, in particular some of those tech stocks. Some crazy prices going on there. Where are we now though? Because um, we've got, you know, some really important commentary um, expected out of Jackson Hole. What are the markets looking for now and and what are sort of the downside risks if, you, you know, we don't get what we're hoping to hear? Yeah, uh, Jerome Powell will be stepping up to the, uh, the virtual rostrum at uh, the uh, Jackson Hole Economic Symposium. And uh, I think markets have got an expectation that there's going to be a change in uh, the, the Fed policy mandate when it comes to inflation targeting. Uh, for eons, the Fed has been uh, no targeting the 2% annual rate. But uh, there seems to be a push for a bit more flexibility, perhaps, to go and allow the Fed to you know, run the economy a bit hotter uh, than what would otherwise be the case without automatically looking to go and start to uh, tighten policy when, uh, when inflation went and moved back towards that target. I hope that they go down that path. I also hope the Fed starts basing decisions on actual outcomes rather than using a, a model because there's too many models being used nowadays. And I think that explains why we've been in this sluggish period of growth uh, since the GFC to, to some degree. Interesting to see what will happen. Obviously, we'll find out around about midnight tonight uh, here in Australia. But if the Fed does signal that they're going to go and do as much as it can to go and push the economy along, you do wonder what it might do to, uh, to bond yields, particularly at the longer end of the curve. And that will be very interesting to see how those really high-flying tech stocks, gold, other things that have been very, very beneficial from our low interest rates uh, will go and perform if that does eventuate. So one to go and keep an eye out for. I can't guarantee it will happen, but yeah. one to go and keep an eye out for. Okay. Uh, let's come back to home. Um, this was probably the last big day of reporting season. Uh, we've got a, a couple more sort of dribbling in tomorrow and then next week. Uh, the the laggards, um, but you know stragglers. today the stragglers. Uh, but today was you know the, the last big day, and, and we've got a lot to get through. Um, there are, I have to say, I, I can't even remember how many. I can't count how many, but there's probably 12, 15 CEO interviews up on our website um, from all the people that we chatted to today. So you know, do go there if you want all of the the, the background and the information and the chats with those um, executives because we can't take you through. All of them here, but let's just have a look at some of the top ones today. Um, Zip today, full year net loss of $19.9 million. Revenue, though, up 91% um, to $161 million. It's it's very similar, you know, that trajectory that we've been seeing with all of these BNPL stocks. Yes, growth at any cost and at any pace, it's, uh, no, as quickly as can be uh, can possibly achieved. 
So it just seems to be like, you no, know, this grab for market share out there. Uh, we saw obviously uh, Zip with the, uh, the tie up with, uh, with eBay announced yesterday, uh, at least with the Australian and New Zealand operations. So, so much excitement around this space. I do find it interesting and not just uh, with Zip, but with other buy now, pay later providers. Uh, we keep asking the question when it comes back to what's going on with bad debts. We know mm. what's going on in the economy. We know there's a lot of stimulus. Uh, and all of them are very quick to go and point to what's been happening now and what's been happening in the early parts of FY21, but not really keen to go and discuss too much beyond the longer term. So really interesting to go and see, yeah. but what a hot space it's been at the moment. People who have been on the ride since the lows of March have done very, very well for themselves. So. Oh, they have indeed. I also think it's really interesting, the, the, the talk around this just feels to me like it's shifted a little bit and it's less about how many consumers you've got using it. And it seems to be all this talk now about how many retailers. So the fight is is amongst all these these providers, how many retailers can they get um, into, you know, obviously online, most important at the moment. But, you know, until recently, I just hadn't heard that as being, you know, a, a big KPI. It was always how many people can we sign up? Yeah, oh, look, I just know from uh, walking around the shops here in Sydney that uh, Afterpay has dominated that. So yeah. you, you can't go past no, no, every second store has got an Afterpay sticker in the window. So the marketing there has done a very good job. How much the cost is obviously is at the other side of the equation. But you're right. And when it comes to trying to get this um, growing market share through using uh, merchants and the like, uh, you have to wonder as well, uh, when it comes to the competitive landscape, what's going to happen to margins? Are they going to start trying to go and undercut each other when it comes to that outlook? And that's a real risk moving mm. forward because it is so incredibly competitive. The fact today that we had two buy now, pay later providers almost back to back on the show just shows you what kind of space it is at the moment. <laughs> There's been days when we've had four. <laughs> well, no, it was, only, it, was only, it was only a quiet day today. Yeah, a quiet day. Um, uh, look, another one out today, uh, Nine Entertainment Company. Um, I noticed Ryan Stokes yesterday did an interview with us and he was saying, uh, you know, obviously here to talk about um, Seven Group Holdings and, you know, naturally we asked him about media and he's like, <laughs> the, the media loves to talk about itself. Um, but let's talk about Nine um, because we also did speak to um, Hugh Marks this afternoon and that interview is up in full, as is um, Larry Diamond from Zips up on our website. Um, the interesting thing about Nine, you know, the, the, the numbers um, on the surface uh, look pretty bad, you know, a full year loss of 590 million Plenty of impairments though, and I think what was interesting for me is looking through all of that and just looking at revenue performance. You know, Nine has taken out a lot of cost, um, but if you just look at revenue performance, given, you know, everything that we've heard about how hard the advertising sector has been hit, they've actually, you know, come through, I think probably better than, than most people. Like there's some robustness in there. Um, that was really interesting to me. Um, I don't know, Scuddy, if there was anything there in, in there that you were, were interested in. The other big thing for me was, you know, Hugh talking about um, where they're going and their targets for revenue and they're looking at trying to get, you know, 60% of their revenue by FY24 to be coming from those digital businesses. So Stan, you know, SVOD, um, the, the digital subscriptions on the form of Fairfax assets, you know, really kind of moving away from that reliance on, on the legacy platforms, mm. you know, TV and print. Um, and they're probably tracking, I think he was saying, sort of, you know, ahead of schedule. Um, we've, got a, we've got a quick grab, actually, if you want to have a listen to, um, to Hugh Marks, just talking about the outlook for media and, and that digital transformation. Is the change in media. Um, traditional linear businesses need to become more cost efficient to maintain profitability and obviously we've invested in a number of growth businesses that are benefiting from COVID and will benefit over the longer term as, as those changes in market happen. 
Um, when it comes to you know our program considerations and what we might do in the future, look, we're running a much more analytical model now. Everything has to pay its way. Um, and shows like The Voice, which probably operate at three times the expense of something like The Block or, or, or Married at First Sight, maybe double what Married at First Sight is per hour, you know, those things obviously have to be considerations in an environment where um, you do need to ensure that you're cost efficient at the same time a tougher revenue market. So those are things that are always under consideration and always under review um, and that will continue, I would imagine, for the next decade. Um, areas of content that are efficient, things like news and current affairs, um, sport is reasonably certain, which has always been its benefit. Um, and actually what you're seeing is formats like adult drama or, or scripted drama starting to become more cost effective compared to reality or entertainment. So, you know, there's always a constant refresh of what formats are going to be in play in any year and there'll be cycles and some will be up and some will be down, but efficiency and everything paying its way is the name of the day. Hugh Marks there, uh, the full interview you can get on our website or indeed on our iOS app. Um, Scuddy, let's talk about Flight Centre, um, another company that reported today and we had um, Graham Turner, Graham Screw Turner um, on the channel. So again, you know, the full interview is available. We'll put the links um, in the episode notes. Look, I don't think anyone was surprised that, um, that Flight Centre copped a, you know, a pretty significant loss $510 million for FY20, a 99.4 decrease in outbound travel during Q4. Like Nadine did this interview and I think her first question was just, you know, in your worst nightmares, could you ever have, you know, predicted something like this? Um, what, did, what did you make of some of his commentary, I guess, around the, you know, what's to come because it's, it's not really a shiny outlook. It's so uncertain. It's not. Uh, I was lucky enough to go and speak to Screw as well. And uh, I asked him about uh, the state border openings. Uh, just looking around the, the country at the moment, uh, contract uh, tracing teams, particularly in, uh, in New South Wales and Victoria, have done a very good job. We know there's been active cases in the community here. But uh, like him, I'm uh, of the view now that it's time to start opening the, uh, the, company, the country up, should I say, mm. uh, opening those borders up uh, and become one nation again. Obviously, Victoria's still not that point yet. Safety and health is a consideration. But uh, I look at uh, Flight Center not as a microcosm of the Australian economy, but no, it does have that feel. It's got tentacles everywhere around, you know, impacts so much people, what's been mm -hmm. going on at the moment. So when I was interviewing, I actually felt like, you no, know, basically interviewing what's so many other businesses that are tied to tourism in particular uh, are feeling right now. So look, it's such an uncertain outlook. I think we can go and get the, uh, the mix right here when it comes between health and, uh, and economic activity and start to go and reopen things and get a bit of movement back in the country as well and the ability to go and have a nice holiday somewhere. Oh, and so many people must be. It'd be really interesting to see. And I, I think that's another point that he was making was, you know, it's not going to be a flick of the switch. You may get, you know, some domestic um, travel coming back. We don't know how much. Um, and that will definitely help. But mm. it's, it's, you know, by no, by no stretch um, is the end of it. He's talking about this being, you know, a, a two, to, two to three year process of rebuilding. Let's just have a, a quick listen to, um, to, to Graham Turner. Depends how many years this goes on. I mean, we're predicting this will go on for probably at least two, probably maybe three years, and we've got enough liquidity uh, with with some revenue to see us through there. Uh, but it, you know, the way some governments are uh, acting or reacting, uh, you know, this could get, this 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 virus is almost certainly going to be around for the next five or ten years. So uh, the reality is, we've just got to learn to live with it. Government's got to learn to live with it. 
They're not going to eradicate it. Uh, we hopefully will have a vaccine, but the, the chances are that vaccine will not be 90 uh, percent, uh, won't, won't have 90 percent efficacy. So we're going to have to live with this virus and the sooner governments accept that, the better it will be for everyone. Okay, Scotty, stock of the day, Afterpay, APT. Um, look, we've, we've just gone through a lot of sort of the background on Zip and things aren't that different here. Total group income, 97% higher at $519 million. Um, EBITDA up 73%. Underlying sales up 112%. Um, sales, you know, well over $11 billion. There are so many people using these services right now. Um, you know, Afterpay is going to go into, you know, top 50 by market cap here. It's just, it's quite astonishing. Um, the growth of these businesses, but I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, <laughs> Koshi had uh, Andrew Whelan from DP Wealth Advisory and James Rosenberg from ELNC Value on the call today. Uh, they had a good old chat about APT. Um, let's have a listen to what Andrew Whelan thinks, because I think he is concerned that, um, that this run may have gone a little bit too far. The key takeaways I took was that they have so many repeat transactions taking place, like 98% of their existing client base is a repeat customer. I mean, that's an amazing, I mean, imagine if you owned a business where you just had 98% of your customers that were constantly buying from you. That's even before you start getting any organic growth coming through. Certainly it is nosebleed territory, but equally so you are seeing strong growth. They're reinvesting for extra growth uh, now into the UK, now into the US, Canada, Singapore, etc. Uh, I'd prefer to buy it on a bad day, but the problem is there doesn't seem to be too many of them. So, yeah, yeah I, I thought the result was a goodie. There's huge tailwinds globally. Um, the move away from, from cash transactions into electronic transactions, that's all fantastic. Subscriber bases growing, as Andrew pointed out, significant yep. repeat customers. Um, Issue that I have, well, I've got a lot of issues. Number one is when you when you look at it, cash flows robust, tick, durable, probably, competitive moat, can't see one. First mover advantage outside of that, can't see one. Yep. At the stroke of a government pen, this business is kaput. I really admire what they've done. You right. know, you can't not admire what no, they've done. No, exactly. But um, it's just way too risky for me. Okay. You get, right. you know, one change of legislation, bop on. Yep. James Rosenberg there from ELNC Bailu talking about afterpay. Um, look, if you're into the BNPL sector, Scuddy, uh, definitely stream us live tomorrow, 11.40 a.m. We've got Stuart Roberts and Mark Kennis, the founders of Stock Down Under, and guess what they're going to be talking about? Buy now, pay later. Exactly. And, uh, Stuart, Stuart was... Uh, to his credit, was talking about uh, Afterpay getting to $100. It hasn't got there yet, though, but uh, he was being very bullish for a long period of time. It'd be interesting to get the thoughts after what's been an incredibly <laughs> a mind-blowing rally, you've got to say, yeah. from the oh. other lows here in March. Yeah. Uh, look, also tomorrow, the call, uh, June Bailu from Tribeca and Adam Dawes will be joining Koshi, Adam, of course, from Shore and Partners, uh, 10 Stocks. I think tomorrow you'll also be able to watch the call, a little special treat on Facebook and Twitter um, if you so desire. But of course, you can always watch it on our website and on the app where you've got all that extra functionality, if I do say so myself. Absolutely. Um, some other interesting stuff to, you know, there's some great stuff in Startup Daily. Um, tomorrow, um, a neobank that lets fans earn from the success of their favourite sports stars. Um, and then we've got Joshua Fegan in at 10 past three uh, talking about the um, 
Four year results, uh, medicinal cannabis company, plenty going on uh, into the end of the week. Um, of course, uh, you can get all of these details and more in our daily newsletter, the COB. Sign up for that on the website. Obviously, you're already listening to the podcast. You don't need to do that if you are still listening. I think that's probably a good reason to say goodbye. It is a good reason to say goodbye. <laughs> we'll do it all again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye. 